And welcome to the Anime Boomer Podcast. This is episode number five. Got it right this time. Didn't mess up like I did last time. This episode is all about the rebuild of Evangelion movies. And I have with me today, of course, Spooky Weeb Trash, longtime co-host. She's the other half of the Anime Boomer Podcast. But I've got some special guests with me today that are also interested in the strange world of Evangelion. First, I'd like to introduce the Kino Corner. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, what's going on? I'm just here to, you know, get my weeb card. And joining us as well is a guy that most of you are familiar with. If you watch my content, if you've seen my stuff in the past, if you watch me on the kill stream, and that would be the one and only Flamenco. How are you doing, Flamenco? I'm exhausted. Hi. Me too. Me too. I had a test at eight o'clock in the morning. It's it's been a wild ride, but I did finish the last movie finally today so that we could have this episode, so that we could talk about the rebuild movies of Evangelion. We're old. We yes, need we our naps. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Actually, I took a nap, like a two-hour <laughs> nap, just before hopping on here, so I'm a little more rested than I would have been otherwise. I have an idea. Before, before we get into anything, I think we need to all go for a two-hour nap and just keep it recording, and people can nap with us. So just, you know, we can, we'll come back in two hours and uh, just be a little bit of silence, a two-hour silence until then. That sounds like a weird, like, ASMR thing. Come nap okay. with me, ASMR trend. It's, or something like Reactor would do on his videos, just have, like, a black screen for 15 minutes. But that just sounds not, like art. Don't even not to it. <laughs> yeah. It would be the loudest, loudest snorer, though. That's the question. Who snores? I don't snore. I'm a I'm a calm sleeper. I don't snore either. I just oh, sound like you, a trash compactor. <laughs> <laughs> I just scream, right? <laughs> you know, from my nightmares. <laughs> I scream as I wet my bed. Because <laughs> you're a psychopath. You, you scream and you wet your bread and then you set stuff on fire and torture animals. Yeah, yeah, that's but I don't snore, it, you know, <laughs> so at least I got that going for me. Well, there you go. I want to I want to preface this. I want to preface this by saying that if you have not watched the rebuild movies of Evangelion, I would strongly recommend you pause it here and watch all like what, six hours of the movies. And then come back and listen to this, because we're going to be no-holds-barred spoilers for not only the movies, but some of the original series, Death and Rebirth, e End of Evangelion. So if you don't want to be spoiled on all of those things, I would strongly recommend you watch all of those things and then come mm -hmm. back and listen to this podcast. And also probably the wiki articles on original Gynex staff uh member minutes because a lot of this shit gets like never brought up in the show but is apparently canon just right. look up hideki ano's personal diary too this is also canon <laughs> so 
So we'll get more oh, into and details. Also, about watch that. past the third film because I trust me, it gets it gets a lot better. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the third film. Oh my gosh, the third film is like just homosexual gay fan fiction. <laughs> the third film. The third film gets Great saved by the, uh, the the third film gets saved by the uh, the fourth film. I'd say. Well, I would say the third film gets saved by uh, uh, Eye Patch Asuka, which is definitely a step up from normal Asuka. Makes her more of a best girl. She looks like a um, pirate. Well, she does kind of look like a space pirate. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm into uh, people with eye patches. Uh, if you just look at my profile picture, you know, um, I feel one with Asuka when she's she has that eye patch, and I guess it's because it makes sense later on um and three plus one but to talk about like to talk about the third film because obviously that's the most controversial one that's the one that we're just jumping into Mm because what is there to talk about the first one other than yeah it's a recap of like what the first six episodes or something from the from the series like a few minor differences um that later get explained but yeah the the first film is basically just a, a scaled up much better production value uh version of the uh the first uh couple of episodes it ends i yeah. believe with the sniper attack on uh the like the cube yeah, angel they, yeah and it ends right before oscar gets um introduced into the show and so, that's when yeah. that's when the deviations like really go off the uh, yeah. go off the rails because um the angels themselves are different yeah uh it's it's some of them anyway um some of them are the uh the same angels but like uh instead of like a giant sea monster when oscar gets introduced and they destroy like half the japanese naval fleet um they uh she fights like some sort of geometric shape that looks really fucking weird yeah, I actually, you know, I think that in the rebuilds, the, you know, with the more money and everything like that, the actual fights were a lot cooler. Um, you know, there was a lot more production value and the better animation and stuff made the actual fights um, between the Abas and the Angels, I think, a lot more uh, intense in some some cases. But mm-hmm. to get to to get to the third one, you know. Um, and we can sort of backtrack, I guess, just kind of go all around. The thing I didn't like about the third one, a lot of people are going to talk about how it's basically just like gay fan fiction between Kawaru and look, Shinji. Look, it had the same problem. <laughs> it had the same problem as Yuri on Ice. There weren't enough boys kissing for my taste, and I found it very deplorable. Okay. But the, but the other thing is that it it puts us into this world right fourteen years later, um, and. You, we learn absolutely nothing about it. Yeah, like, that that's that's probably the um, the the worst part and the most jarring. And I think what like really kind of makes people not like the third film very much is um, just the twelve year time skip and absolutely nothing gets explained to Shinji, but everyone like bitches at him and it's just like, oh, wow, why is he so why is he so withdrawn and not wanting to help you? I don't know. Maybe you could have just like told him what happened because they fucking exposition the shit out of the fourth film. Holy shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. They were just like, oh, by the way, you know, this this the third impact actually did happen after your failed third impact. And also Kaji is dead and it's all your fault and fuck you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you little <laughs> bitch. Um, I enjoy Shinji bullying, but like there's a lot of like things that weren't explained. Like, like we didn't I don't think we even they got discussed. There were villages, right? That were still had surviving people inside of it. And no, that was we didn't find that, that out until place. we didn't find that out until, until uh into the fourth film like right. I, like basically um that's a pretty big thing to know yeah so so for people who have watched the anime series and I, I guess if you're like don't give a shit about spoilers you're not listening to this uh the third film opens up like 14 years later because instead of um unit uh unit one going berserk when um the angel that had uh gotten into the geo front um and shinji fought it and ate its uh ate its core um instead it just causes uh third impact and then karu and his evangelion uh launches the lance of longinus and ends it um but then it like goes on again later on because we find that in the fourth fourth film that that happened later it seems as if like third impact got shut down but then it like started back up and uh shinji basically got frozen in time for 14 years um ava pilots apparently don't age after they get inside of the ava mm-hmm. yeah which, that uh, was that was added in which uh you know we just don't want to make strange. them look old we can't make our wife who's like oh that's that's well, stupid it, it, and that gets, can't sell it, merchandise. Gets it gets utilized in um it gets because um, it gets utilized with uh, the the extra pilot that's not in the original series, Mari, because yeah. uh, that was that was something I caught on to in the fourth film, which was kind of cool. Is that uh, um, she was actually like a, a researcher there at that um, facility. Yeah, Earth. she was working with uh, UA and Gendo and uh, old dude uh, Futsuki. Or what? Kozo? Gendo's sec- no, G- Gendo's second in command. Yeah, his name is uh, well, his name is Kozo, isn't it? Uh, I just preferred him I, as the I, old dude, the old yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, the old man. She was working with <laughs> Fuyutsuki. Him. It's yeah, it is. It's Kozo Fuyutsuki. His whole yeah. point, his his whole character is to be second in command. He doesn't have a personality, so yeah. it's kind of whatever. He's, he's old man. He's old and then, man. Um, and, and then like. You know, the world is like completely fucking destroyed. Um, we find out later that there are like humans that are still living, but that's not until the fourth film. And uh, but you fucking, figured you figured oh. that would be important enough to bring up. Oh, yeah. By the way, your friends are thriving and they're surviving. You want to go talk? No, no. We just got to bully the shit out of Shinji because uh, fuck you. It's all your fault, nerd. By the you way, know, all of your potential waifus are yeah. taken. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, you would have actually because um, uh, Toji's sister is on because uh, basically the 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 genre shifts from uh, a sort of like single defending a point uh, against a monster of the week sort of thing to um, a, a giant floating uh, battleship that space uh, battleship Misato. Yamato too. <laughs> yeah, essentially, that's like powered by the spine of an angel, and it's uh, isn't it's, it powered by Ava One? Like it's kind of made out of the skeleton of right, well, but it also has first. a um, it also has like a like a, a spine of an angel, and that's how it's yeah. like flying and shit. 
and so it's basically like a uh, a glorified Ava unit, except I I don't know if it has like an AT field. I think it does. Um, but uh, fucking Misato is leading a resistance group against Nerve because Nerve is just like full on bad guys now instead of uh, getting used by Sele and uh, getting like destroyed at the end of Avan end of Evangelion. It's now like kind of the de facto ruler of the world. Yeah. I mean, they do turn into gods, essentially. So there's that. I mean, but are Nerve really the bad guys? Are they? Uh, um, Kinda, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did um, help destroy the human race, so. Yeah, but sometimes I, I feel like that's probably the good guy thing to do, you know? Are we mm. trying to... Are we trying to argue eugenics in an anime boomer podcast? No, I'm just saying that I checked Twitter right before this, and uh, I'm kind of with nerve right now. <laughs> well, see, that's 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 just Twitter. <laughs> that was your first Twitter. mistake. Can, can, can that there was be actually, a, that was be a like, nerve for Twitter? <laughs> the, the, the Twitter instrumentality project. That that was actually like I'd the weirdest thing about the films <laughs> is that. Um, like in in the first one, Nerve is overseen by Sele, which is like a Illuminati type organization, like that oversees the already like really fucking shady uh, Nerve organization. And their whole like plan is to you know hijack instrumentality and make themselves gods. Oh. And uh, like they they just they they're completely irrelevant in these films. It can we play? I don't know if you'll get copyright struck or not, but the Alex Jones exp- it's essentially explaining the instrumentality project. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't. I'm sure Hideki Anno is pretty blackpilled, but I mean, the the concept of humans wanting control over all humans is really not that. Because I mean, when you think of like evil people, right? It's all about human control and power. So the thought of an organization yeah. essentially wanting to sacrifice all humans for their own um, better good so they can get get like the whole point of instrumentality project is to get in contact with other aliens, right? Or other angels so they can be one together. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Kinda. It's to like make themselves into a new like angel type being, but with their own will so mm-hmm. that they like become, a, like I said, essentially a god. They very... want to combine because because humanity and Evangelion is born from Lilith, but Adam was the one that originally landed on the planet and gets shut down because Lilith also comes to the planet. And so the angels are there to try to wipe out humanity so they can bring back Adam and Adam can eat Lilith. So Adam's and his his descendants can take over the world and remake it in their image. And they want to bootstrap themselves onto godhood. Because they believe that if, you know, they can merge with Adam and Lilith, that they would become like this this one supreme being that would rule over all and be able to remake all of reality into their image. And that's like the the whole point. Meanwhile, you've got Gendo and he just wants to he just wants Yui. And so he doesn't mm-hmm. really give a crap about any of the, the rest of it. He wants to implement human instrumentality so he could bring back his dead wife. Is it Yui or is it Wei? Uh, Yui. Uh, Yui. I don't like. I just kept hearing them say, like, probably hear them say Yui. Yui. Probably because yeah. it's like it's a little bit 
with the way they pronounce it, it's the yeah. you. You probably can't hear it. It's like it's just it's like, like with sailing. Yeah, it's like it's like Sele and Zella. Um, depending on like the the dub that you're listening to, um, mm-hmm. they because the dubbing brothers they call them Zella, and then Funimation I think calls them Sele. So well, I, I was, think it's I was I only do subs, but I oh. you know, yeah. I'm not one of those uh, dub uh, plebeians. I uh, I'm a sub man. You're See, a I big like sub to huh? both. I like listening I'm a big to both. Sub. <laughs> That's so you're also a friend, that. a fan of Shinji. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you yeah, go. Exactly. This is one of my. Fa- I love Alex shows. This is one of my favorite clips of his. Yeah, this is uh, Alex Jones explains the plot of Evangelion to Joe Rogan. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and play this. And like, they team the up. Fuck, they man. team up, and they usually have high intelligence. And there's armies. We're fighting a pedophile conspiracy, but beyond that, it's a vampire conspiracy in that they are interdimensionally sucking the essence of our youth. Right. And they believe they're possessed by an off-world entity. They do. Yeah. And then, Joe, I've been on air 22 years. I don't get into aliens, metaphysical religion, any of that. I've studied the elite, and I've also communicated with a lot of the top people. And 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 if you want to know. I will actually break down right now the best knowledge right now what's happening on the planet. What's happening? Oh, no, this might get copyrights. This is definitely getting copyrights. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, no, I've seen this clip, but putting the uh, music behind it is just, it's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the... Uh, um... If you're talking, Gator, we can't hear you. Oh, that's because I was muted. I'm going to cut that out. Uh, just yeah. so just so it doesn't get like a copyright struck or whatever. But let me see if I can yeah. find one here that's I think I don't think this one has any music on it. OK, yeah, this one, this one's a little better. Let's leave a little note there. Yeah, because that's going to get sh- copyright struck. I didn't know they would actually do that there. So let's uh-huh. you always have to scroll down towards the bottom of the bio to see if it's got yeah. like the copyright thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. You do. That's- that's how I choose music or what to use. If I scroll down and see if it's copyrighted or not. Yep, there we go. But let's play this one. This is uh, Alex Jones explains the plot of Evangelion. But there's this big war trying to like basically destroy humanity because humanity has free will and there's a decision to which level we want to go to. We have free will, so evil's allowed to come and contend, not just good. And the elites themselves believe they're racing using human technology to try to take our best minds and build some type of breakaway civilization where they're going to merge with machines, transcend, and break away from the failed species that is man, which is kind of like a false transmission because they're thinking what they are is ugly and bad, projecting it onto themselves instead of believing, no, it's a human test about building us up. And so Google was set up 18, 19 years ago. This was, I knew about this before it was declassified. I'm just saying I have good sources. That they wanted to build a giant artificial system. And Google believes that the first artificial intelligence will be a supercomputer based on the neuron activities of the hive mind of humanity with billions of people wired into it with the internet of things and so all of our thoughts go into it and we're actually building a real neurons in real time that's also psychically connected to us that are organic creatures so that they will have current prediction powers future prediction powers a true crystal ball 
But the big secret is, once you have a crystal ball and know the future, you can add stimuli beforehand and make decisions that control the future. And so then it's the end of consciousness and free will for individuals, as we know, and a true 2.0 in a very bad way, hive mind consciousness with an AI jacked into everyone, knowing our hopes and dreams, delivering it to us, not in some PKD wirehead system where we plug in and give up on consciousness because of unlimited pleasure, but because we were already wired in and absorbed before we knew it by giving over our consciousness to the system by our daily decisions that it was able to manipulate and control into a larger system. There's now a human counterstrike taking place to shut this off before it gets fully into place and to block these systems and to try to have an actual debate about where humanity goes. The amount of layers. Pedophiles <laughs> and psychic vampires that are in control of this AI system before humanity is destroyed. <laughs> So yeah, wow. you could change up like Google being nerve and then like AI system being like with angels and then <laughs> there's like little little things you could change, but essentially yeah, that's it. So they nerve wants to make like an instrumentality product so it could get in contact with these alien beings to become higher up and such become almost like gods in a way. And they've also got like the Magi system, which is based on the Dead Sea Scrolls, where they've laid out all of these predictions and how to activate these predictions. The the original series doesn't really go into it that much, but the rebuild movies really hardcore point out the fact that's like all of this has been predicted, all of this is going according to the Dead Sea Scrolls and and Sele and the and the Magi system that has the AI, the super super intelligent AI that's like plotted out the course of how to get to the human instrumentality project. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's definitely like this fatalism I think to Evangelion, and it's the it's sort of like this destiny, this kind of fatalistic attitude that clashes with Shinji feeling like he is responsible for everything bad going on. When, you know, in reality, what, what we know is that it was all sort of almost like set in stone, like, you know, way before Shinji was even conceived. And, um, and he's just kind of playing this part and playing a pivotal part, but still just playing a part in um what was already destined to happen something that um the rebuilds didn't really get into that much well a couple things is because of where the near third impact happens um you know obviously it deviates a lot and we if we do miss out on some stuff that i liked from the original show like um the supercomputer that was the one chick's lesbian's mom or whatever. <laughs> lesbian's mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ritsuko. Sorry. Yeah. Ritsuko, Ritsuko yeah. isn't the lesbian. The, uh, the, the operator that crushes on her is. Oh, okay. The short haired yeah, girl. Yeah. 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 So Ritsuko's no, Ritsuko, mom. Ritsuko gets, Ritsuko gets fucked by Gendo and used by her. Oh, uh -huh. oh that's He's right. Al she's yeah. also a fuckhole right. for him to use. And gets yeah. called an old hag by uh, Ray. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, it, it's been about a year since I've seen the original show. But um, yeah, so the whole supercomputer mom aspect of it, which was almost like a, uh, a prelim or like a predecessor, I guess, of instrumentality. In a, in a also way. like a pregnancy euphemism too. there. So yeah. Yeah, and then the and then the other thing that the rebuilds kind of jettisoned that um that I personally liked is Asuka's backstory and what they do in three plus one I thought was interesting 
but tell me if you guys like also caught on to this. It seems like when they're in the anti verse, the anti universe or whatever, um, at the end of three plus one, it seems to imply that Asuka was also a clone. Yeah, no, she it, was. Yes. That, they don't that just was, imply um, it; they directly, yeah, they, they directly, yeah, they, they say explicitly it. say that she's uh, one of the uh, whatever her last name in the rebuild. Shikinami, are. the Shikinami yeah. series. Yeah, um, yeah, she's just a different series. Whereas, like Ray was the Ayanami series, and then she's the whatever her last name series is. Like she's just specifically built, and and it's kind of funny because. Because Asuka says to Ray early in three plus one, like, well, you were designed to have affection for Shinji, you know, that like that's just part of your design. And, you know, Ray is just like, well, I'm happy about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> very, very, very trad, trad Ray. That's what I liked about the beginning of three plus one. We got like ultimate like trad waifu Ray. Yeah, the the um, the animation in the seat like so the the fourth movie, um, I, I don't like a whole lot of the uh, the, the CG aspects of the films. Oh, uh, really? I thought it was fantastic. I, oh, oh. I, I, here's the thing. I disagree. I thought the opening scene with like, especially when they were in France battling, like I thought that looked amazing, like the backgrounds, especially like gave me an art boner like they were so okay, fucking good they were so fucking good i will uh, argue about this <laughs> there there there's like cg mechs that i really like and then there's cg mechs that like give me a fucking headache and like what um like ones that i really like um i think knights of sidonia have really good uh mech designs um and i think that like the overall cg aesthetics for that one works well uh, especially making the uh, aliens that they fight uh, look really fucking terrifying, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Ava ones, though, um, it looks a li- which which I actually did appreciate uh, at the end um, of of in, in terms of animation. Um, like some of the fights were okay, some of them were a little like nightmarish to fucking watch through. Um, I, I did like overall like the animation. It's just the CGI mechs kind of don't do it for me. But um, when uh, when um, Shinji is uh, fighting uh, Unit 13 in the uh, in the anti universe or whatever the hell it's called. Um, oh, I when really they go like Godzilla scene that one where yeah, they had like that one yeah. was cool. I really liked it. <laughs> I, I I liked I liked because I was like ah oh, it's like uh, this this background and all like how these things are moving looks really shit. It's like oh wait oh, this is supposed to be purpose. a movie set. This is supposed <laughs> to look like oh that's really that, cool. I mean that directly refer like refers to Hideki Anno working on Godzilla too. So like I said, this is like a lot of Hideki Anno's personal diary. And that was another big indicator of that because he worked on like one of the last Godzillas. Well, no, because I like because uh, Kino was bringing that up, and like Shinji's playing a part that he's already been written into, and that kind of plays out at that last thing where you know all the Ava units are like costumes and like they have all this production stuff, and right. and um and like going through all these different set pieces. And I thought that was like really, really cool. Well, they kind of, they kind of do that in the first series too, where they're like, this is like a stage play, but it's less, but I feel like it was less obvious because there was like stage lights. Right. And there was like a stage there. 
But mm -hmm. when you add the production side of it, when you see like, oh, this is all part of a movie set, it made more sense. Well, because um, they kind of imply, uh, especially with uh, Karu's sort of like monologue with Shinji and his own monologue with himself and with uh, with uh, Kaji, it, it kind of implies that um, like rebuild isn't like just a reboot of the Evangelion franchise. It's a continuation, I would say. Yeah, because um Specifically, when Karu is talking to Shinji, um, they're like, you know, we met before and it's over at that riverside after um, after the uh, the large explosion that uh, I forget. I forget, like the fight that preceded it. But basically, like uh, Asuka is completely mind fucked, raised dead. Uh, Shinji is like completely fucking alone and uh, in the ruins of uh, Tokyo 3 he sees uh, Karu like hanging out on a tree and like in a new lake that's made by a crater and it's just like so this is this is like this is just a, a continuous cycle that just keeps on repeating but this one's a little bit happier well like they literally show like Karu and um coffins too like we're at yeah. this planet like he's literally like being resurrected in each coffin literally get dying and resurrecting to like yeah help out shinji every time and try to like essentially he has a groundhog steak from hell every time <laughs> uh, well he uh, he not not to help out shinji but to um that that's like one of the things that Kaji kind of uh, confronts him in in his little monologue. It's not that like Karu wants to make Shinji happy. It's that Karu wants to be happy at Shinji being happy, at least initially. So but like and Karu even grows from that. So like everyone, everyone, everyone comes out of this one like a better person uh, than they were before. Yeah. What can yeah. I say? You can also Sorry? kind of tell that it's it's a bit of a loop there because the moon in the original series, the moon isn't like splattered red because that happens in End of Evangelion. But when you look at the moon, you can see like the giant red splatter that would have happened in End of Evangelion. So I feel like the rebuild movies pretty much state that all of the stuff that happened in the previous series and in the movies, it all happened. But for some reason everything gets reset and it's heavily implied at least in my opinion that the the catalyst for this reset is that shinji always manages to arrive at this uh the the imaginary evangelion and he always he can't accept what happened he can't accept the the bad stuff that's happened to him and all the people he cares about and so the imaginary evangelion grants his wish to go back and redo it well, like, but, um, um, I don't think so, because I think that, like, Rebuild of Evangelion is a endpoint for Evangelion, not in terms not just in terms of like the franchise as, as itself. But I think it's also an endpoint in that, like, Evangelions don't exist anymore. Right, so that's what there's I'm saying, no more in the previous of Shinji being a pilot in the previous series that he always arrives at the human instrumentality project. He always makes it to the imaginary Evangelion in previous series. And he always decides, you know, because he's still whiny, you know, angsty Shinji. He's like, oh, I can't accept this. I can't. I, I just can't deal with this. I, I well, wish I had a second chance to fix all the shit I fucked up. 
and then it resets the universe each time. At least that's what I that's what I feel like. I, I think, think it's more of a I think it's more of like a looping cycle that the universe goes through. Because um, when Shinji is talking to Asuka in the the fourth film, um, he basically kind of apologizes, and he apologizes specifically that I didn't. I didn't kill you and I didn't save you. I just did nothing and I didn't want to be held responsible. And I think that like kind of speaking to Shinji's attitude at the end of Ava, where he doesn't really do anything with instrumentality. Like everyone just like everyone is kind of implied that they might be able to reform later on. But Shinji doesn't do anything with this like building blocks that he's been given. Um, He just like kind of. Maybe we'll have Oscar to strangle, but like he just does nothing. Until the end of time. Well, like that's a that's the real euphemism of like Eva, isn't it? Because it's all about otaku culture and how uh you know how these otaku's will literally just be degens and do nothing with their life and presented with all these like struggles and just choose to be the Shinji, the little bit Shinji who had to be forced into an Eva, right? So, and this is why I really liked how fourth movie ended because i guess big spoilers um shinji grew the fuck up literally mentally and literally and then everything was back in normal japan and he ended up with a uh, mari is that her name i always forget her name yeah mari mari, mari yeah. yeah she has and, big groups but well he didn't even end up with the other two or the uh, anyone else because it kind of the way i view it as is ashko was symbolizing like his his crush right the first girl he liked well, yeah. you kind of have to let that shit go. And raise his mom. <laughs> and, and then raise his mom, and then uh, Masato would be a pedophile. And that, that's not cool. And then Karu, he's gay. Unfortunately, that can't be canon because Otaku can't let that happen. But uh, it's all these circumstances where it wouldn't work out. And Ashko is obviously symbolic of like your first love, your first crush, and being devastated by it. Um, and you can probably view it as other ways. It's like... Ano, like Hideki Ano's work, his first love, his first work being crushed and being whatever. And then you, and then he just kind of grows the fuck up and he gets a job and he's in a normal, happy relationship with Mari. Like, and I feel like that's why this one ends so much better because it's the very, the first ending of Eva, it's kind of like this weird art house situation. A lot of people defend it, a lot of people say it's trash. I'm more leading towards the middle where I can get why people like view it either way. But it does. But you still have to consider this was budget issues. Hideki was severely depressed. They didn't know exactly how it was going to end. And it was such a weird ending that Otakus were literally attacking and threatening. Um, fuck, what's the studio called? Gymax? Gynax. Gynax, yes. They were threatening to kill people that worked at Gatinex. And they showed these emails at the movie, the end of Evangelion movie, to as a way of Hideki Anno to say, uh, this isn't acceptable, or this is how you guys view yourself. And I also feel like um, Shinji, the masturbation scene with him masturbating above uh, Ashka's unconscious body was also a way of Hideki saying, this is what you guys look like, you pathetic fucking coomers. Fuck you. Um, a lot of people say Hideki hates his fans. I don't know if he hates them. 
I don't think that's it. I think it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I'm gonna say like um if you've like came out of end of Evangelion thinking that um Anno might have some like fucking mental issues, uh this one will make you feel like holy shit, he must have gotten really better. He must be actually happy <laughs> no, right now. I mean that's literally what drugs. it means. I mean that's, <laughs> yeah. that's literally it. And that's another thing why it's so like it's 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 a weirdly cynical Eva's cynical. Like, that's it. Eva's pessimistic and cynical. The first series is. The whole way through, even at the ending. And the theme of Eva... There's, like, there's episodes that are, like, very lighthearted and fun. There's, like, a lot of, like, parts of the soundtrack that are lighthearted. Like, the tag team episode where they have to, like, work together. The the overall arc is, like, kind of a downer note, but, um, I, I, like... Even the end of the uh, like, even the end yeah. of the original well, series okay, with like point, uh, no. Here's my point. Here's my point. Yeah. My point. So my my point was you have this overarching downer, right? And you have at the very end, he's like, "Congratulations, right? Congratulations!" Or he ended up with the girl he chose, right? And it's supposed to be a sim like a semblance of, "Hey, Otaku's, you can also you know get out of this situation if you just try hard enough." But it's like. Hideki Anno, obviously, he's still, like, down, mentally ill. And it's like, I don't know, having, like, a mentally ill person tell you that your life could be better, man, just try hard. It's very, I, it's not something another mentally ill person wants to hear. Like, you would rather hear somebody who's successful in life try to give you advice. And I feel like that's another thing that was kind of, like, an almost an insult to the people watching the first Eva. And that's kind of why people think Anno hates his fans. Because the whole theme is cynical, and at the end, he's telling people, to like, you know, just get in the fucking robot, man. Just get your shit together. And it's it's hard it's hard to listen to somebody who obviously is still going through their own problems, trying to give you advice of your life. I, so that it also could be viewed as insulting. I didn't see Endeveva as being cynical at all. I actually thought that Endeveva was pretty hopeful in how it ended, you know? Um, it, I mean, that's the thing. It it's trying notes. to be. It, it has like hopeful caveats. Like it, the bleak landscape is sort of offset by like you know, if they want to, they can return and like you know, yeah, it's it's kind of like, like fully it, kill Oscar. So <laughs> yeah, well, no, but it's it's kind of like more like this. You know, it's about making that choice. You know, and that's what it's. It you know, end of Eva sort of you know, it, it, well, it ends with is making the choice between, uh, becoming part of one or, um, holding on to your individuality and, you know, and they're given that choice. And I think it also makes sense, right? Like that end of Ava could essentially end with the beginning of Evangelion, uh, rebuild mm-hmm. because with all that orange goo, all over all that the, orange cum goo <laughs> all, all over the world, you know, and he's given the choice to to allow people to come back. Maybe it, it maybe at that point, it you know, when it's rebuilt, it's it's rebuilt back in you know, in time, however, however long, you know, however long ago, a year or whatever. Um, and it makes sense, you know, and also there there were there are a few differences in the world in a rebuild. Like, I don't remember the, the seas being red in the show. Were they, they red in the show? Yeah, they yeah. were. Yeah. And that was a new thing. And that was a new sort of um, uh, aspect of the impacts that the rebuilds brought on. And that the first um, the second impact uh, purified the, the seas and then 
the third impact purifies the land, and then the fourth impact purifies the souls, right? That's kind of the new lore in a sense. Um, right. Whereas in the in the show, they're just trying to stop another impact. The second impact didn't seem to, uh, you know, have much of a purpose other than to just sort of shake up the world or or, um, <laughs> or introduce they it. They don't angels. explore it. They don't explore it a lot in the anime. But the uh, the the years the years following the second impact like had a profound impact on like the adults that were living through it, and it was like. Mm-hmm. A shit ton of people died. Yeah, yeah. that's why Masato's backstory is. Yeah, that's Masato's backstory. No, I know, but I'm just saying that, like, oh, that's I mean, more Kaji's backstory because Kaji's brother was killed in the aftermath of Second Impact. No, thought... but what I'm, yeah, no, but what I'm saying is that, like, in the rebuilds, they're like, yes, there's this grand purpose to the impacts where it's, this is purifying the sea, this is purifying the land, this is purifying the souls. It's, it's just sort of like, okay, it's just sort of like, um, it's like this three stages, right, of this ongoing process that's happening. Whereas in the show, it seemed it was like more like these cataclysmic events that were more isolated from each other, but linked to each other and just kind of what happens. I don't know. Like, I, I don't read the wikis. I just <laughs> I watched the show a year and a half ago and I... Just watch the rebuilds. <laughs> it's kind of like you have to remember like what all the pieces go into like Eva too. That's another thing. That's why people. Um, I I feel like out of all the anime I watched, Eva was the first one I did like deep lore diving on, because um Eva was the first anime I watched. I was like, oh, this anime thing. It can be more than just like pretty people fighting. Um, uh, it's it can be like a you know a little bit deeper than that. And there's a lot of unanswered questions. When it comes to Ava, because they only give you um, like the iceberg of it, right? <clears throat> Which is how uh, good written stuff should be. But there's also like them not explaining some of the more logistic side of it, like how angels work and where we come from. That that's I don't think that's great writing. But I feel like as far as like what Ava supposed to mean and what it means to people and uh, how it all pieced together, I feel like that's yeah. what's the best I- part of Ava. I think that I think that Eva works because, um, like, the, there's definitely an emotional reaction to a lot of stuff, and it has, you know, especially like End of Eva and and Three Plus One, both have very emotional endings. Um, I, I would even say that Three Plus One, uh, the uh, um, the whole village scene was just mesmerizing. Um, oh yeah, holy! That shit. was the best part of the movie, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean. The animation budget in that fucking sequence was through the fucking roof. Holy shit. I mean, even seeing like, I mean, just like, like, I don't know, just seeing how these people interacted with each other, like very post-apocalyptic was, it was, it was great because I mean, not only that, it's, it's also telling Otaku, you know, you know, if it's all this shit around you seems like it's overwhelming, but you just, you go out and you touch grass. You know, you touch grass like Ray, you become happy, you can interact with people. Yeah, awesome. well, and, and and the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, there were a lot of good character arcs uh, during during that sequence of yeah, Shinji like overcoming friends. his Shinji overcoming his grief, Ray sort of learning how to become human. Um, 
and uh you know the the baby being naked throughout most of it pretty great yeah, too. That, that was also Kaoru great. coming to terms with the fact that he doesn't have to get his happiness exclusively through shinji's happiness yeah it was just a, a bunch of good stuff that was happening during that sequence and it kind of made me want the whole film just to be that sequence like i was like like i i, I now i really did like the anti-verse stuff and everything yeah. but um I wouldn't have minded if three plus one was just them rebuilding, living in that village for two and a half hours. <laughs> like, yeah, I would have, I would have been like, yeah, I'm on board with this, you know. Like, That's just have the a reality Ava, now. Yeah, have a little Ava fight at the beginning where they get rid of the Eiffel Tower and they smash up France a little bit, and you know, I mean, the French deserve it, and then, um, <laughs> and, and then go to, and go and watch, uh, you know, Ray learn how to become human and. Shinji, you know, come out of his shell and get over the grief of the third impact and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was, you know, it was really fun. And it, uh, it kind of reminded me of like, I was like, this is almost kind of like a studio Ghibli movie. This is like a, um, you know, you know, like a good studio Ghibli movie. I'm like, uh, I'm going to just have my hot take here. I'm like a grave, the fireflies, um, <laughs> which I did not like, but um yeah no, i really like that first the first hour but the antiverse stuff was you know it was really cool the movie set stuff um which also going back into it you know was or is the dead sea scrolls actually just the script for the <laughs> for the films <laughs> that's what anna's thinking about <laughs> and that's but, why moses um, found it he found the actual script Evangelion. <laughs> yeah. but but what i what i was gonna say is that ava the reason why ever works is because as a person who I'm just a, a movie guy, I'm not really an anime guy, but um, uh, like I want to have an emotional impact from a movie. Like to me, that's like the most important thing a movie can do is it can move you emotionally in some way. Um, and Eva does do that, but it does have this kind of mythic quality to um, to its whole world and to everything and it explains some stuff and i think it explains enough but i don't think it's important to know the deep lore to understand the film and to understand the films or the or the show it's not important to know all the deep lore like you don't have to go to the wiki to understand what's going on in front of you um and i don't know i kind of like sort of not knowing some of the deep lore because some of the stuff, it's almost better to let it remain a mystery because it I mean, gives it, yeah. I mean, that's that what really quality. Yeah, that's what really differentiates Eva from like most anime because it is so dialogue heavy between like just characters talking about like their day and how they interact with each other and their relationships. Because I mean, it's more about it's more about human the like the human mentality the the put it that way but it's really about like the way humans interact with each other and overcoming challenges in life and being put in like situations you don't feel emotionally or mentally prepared for but you kind of have to deal with it. like like it's kind of like misato has to deal with her ptsd um shinji has to deal with his daddy issues uh ashka has to deal with her abandonment huh misato has to deal with daddy issues too well, that's true. Um, but I'm talking about like her her main point is like she's got heavy PTSD, to put it generally. But um yeah. and then Ashka has to deal with her insecurities and her abandonment issues. And then Ray has to deal with the fact that she's just a fuckle and has no emotions. Um <laughs> and then like it's and then 
it's Karu. I, I don't really care for what they did with Karu and the rebuilds at all. I feel like he he was way more impactful with what little he did. Like, like he was only in there for like two episodes, right? Yeah. And it, he, he, he was he was like the angel of the week, sort of. Um, but, you know, a little differentiation because we had gotten used to in the show, gotten used to the angels being like weird, you know, weird big monster monsters. Thing. Yeah. Big weird looking monsters. Big pyramid. On, Go set, boom. Set on destroying Tokyo 3. And then it's like down comes uh, Mr. Anime Man who is <laughs> in love with Shinji. <laughs> yeah. Big, big yaoi. Um, but like, uh, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I really liked him because, I mean, his whole thing was like he loved and admired Shinji no matter what. So it no matter what Shinji was or who he was, Karu's going to show him affection. And that was the only time Shinji felt real love from another person ever. Yeah, because he, he was, never felt it from his dad. Yeah, because you big fucking beta, big fucking beta incel. And so <laughs> here comes his. You Here comes this big, pretty anime boy being like, I touch peepees with you. I like you. And he's like, oh, I don't know how to feel about this, man. Shinji then, was in there just like, do I touch the peepees? Do I? Am I? Do I touch fanboy cock? I don't know. Is it gay? So he's a fanboy, right? Um, so, kind of gay. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly gay. gay. So Incredibly gay. So, um, so anyway, turns out Mr. Karu, Karu-san was a uh, a fucking angel and he's like well i'm here to genocide all humans um sorry about that bro and he's like well okay and then and then i also feel like the this the it's a really long scene and you could say it's for budget reasons but i actually really liked it the scene where you had to kill karu which was like god like three minutes long a painful agonizing when the fuck is he gonna fucking smush him the fucking music that just slowly but surely crescendos and then it's just like quick cut and you just see the shadow and the bloop. Yeah. And that yeah. I, that's a really good scene to me. I, I really like that scene. Speaking of a long scene that got butchered in the rebuild. The elevator scene. The elevator scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when they got into the elevator, I was thinking, are they going to do the same thing as in the show? Or is this going to be the one static shot <laughs> like for like yeah. 10 minutes? No, it cuts in between like an actual movie. I was like, I wanted the elevator scene. Come I, on. I, I feel like the elevator scene was a lot more important to the story and the people get credit. Sure, it was there was budget reasons why it was there, but also I don't know. I feel like because they had just had a fight, right? If I remember correctly, Ray and Ashka. And you know what? Being inside a giant building with somebody you just got into a fight with but just awkwardly standard that would be kind of awkward wouldn't it? it probably would take a minute and then you just kind of feel the awkwardness because ray has no emotions but also ashka has emotions so you kind of see their emotional fuckle and an over emotional fuckle kind of get into argument and they're like after steam because i mean Speak i feel like we've all we've all been in that kind of situation right where we get into <laughs> awkward car ride with our parents who just got into an argument or something along those lines or maybe we have to be in a car ride like it's that kind of situation you just got through an argument and then you have to sit there after the steam <laughs> speaking of the elevator scene i absolutely have to play this this is one of my favorite edits it don't matter none of this matters 
<laughs> That's Thank one you, of my favorite edits with Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force thrown in there. Oh, you should probably put a warning. I don't know. This is not this is not silence in like the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not silence. This is them on the elevator. You don't, you don't need to adjust your headphones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh yeah, they they continue their fight into the elevator and the rebuilt. So and they were fighting over Shinji, I I, I do believe in the re- I, I forgot what they're fighting over in the show because it's been a while. But um yeah, I was a little upset. I kind of wanted to have that, you know, uh masterful uh long take. <laughs> Which I mean yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, it's stupid because it was just like, you know, a single shot the whole time to, you know, expand the scene. But also it made a lot of sense where you're like, okay, feel this awkwardness. I can only imagine like what it was like when I first aired in Japan too. I wonder if Japanese people are like, um, my TV working? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. And it just keeps going on and on and on. <laughs> It's yeah, kind of exactly. like we talked about the Endless Eight in the previous episode with Harari Suzumiya, where a lot of people were wondering, like, did they accidentally replay the previous episodes? Like, no. Welcome to hell. Eight oh, Kino doesn't, doesn't know Haruhi. So um, so there's this anime called Haruhi Suzumiya. The and melancholy they have, like, a second of Suzumiya. Yes, yes, melancholy. And what happened was, is they were stuck in a, in a, a loop, right? Um, time loop. So, yeah. you know, in most time loop shows like Groundhog's Day, they'll, it'll be like technically the same day, but different things will happen. Right. So it's not literally repeating the same dialogue, the same clothes, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. So hire he did the most boring, weird option. So this was originally supposed to be like a chapter. It was only supposed to be like a short amount of time in the in the novels. But the anime decided to use eight fucking episodes of the same dialogue the same situations and the only thing that was really different were the clothes they were wearing or maybe they would have like a dialogue or two that was slightly different but it was literally watching the same episode eight episodes in a row yeah that's very nietzschean when you think about it it reminds me of friedrich nietzsche and uh his concept of amor fati or uh, uh, eternal recurrence so you know, they were just probably reading some Nietzsche and uh, definitely wasn't for budgetary reasons. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, th- so it was supposed to emphasize like, hey, this is a loop. This is a loop. This is a loop. Right. But they could have easily done it in like three episodes or a few. It was it was literally just so they could expand a season because they didn't have enough. Um, what is it called? They didn't have enough material from the from the novels to make a whole season. So they're just like, OK, well, let's just say fuck it. We'll just make up eight episodes. And so not only that, they couldn't just replay the same recordings from the voice actors, right? No, they had to literally re-record their dialogue over and over and over for each episode. Time is a flat circle. (laughs) Time is a curious thing. (laughs) You know, Evangelion, I guess, maybe works into that where it's this kind of looped world. but I think that uh, I, maybe I'm just repeating what was said earlier, but I've, I've been thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, what if it's like humans are working towards like a much 
better world society like (laughs) okay no no but think of it like this right and it's and it's it's kind of done in a sort of more metaphorical way but humans are working towards a better society and there's like basically it's like the the uprising civilization then downfall civilization then the rebirth right and how history isn't chronological history is um his you know history kind of works in cycles you know um Mm -hmm. like uh i'm reading ourselves well not necessarily repeat ourselves but go through the same sort of uh ups and ups and downs it's i I heard someone say it recently it's like history doesn't necessarily repeat itself but it does rhyme rhyme yeah and i've been reading i've been reading a bit of uh oswald spengler recently um He's a very big book, a very big book, very interesting book called The Decline of the West, uh, talking about philosophy of history. Also reading a bit of Hegel. Of course, Hegel has his own takes on what history is. Uh, um, and but anyways, you know, like he, he Spengler sort of um, talks about history as being like uh, culture, civilization, and then civilization is sort of the death of culture. Um, and then when civilization crumbles, eventually the c- culture kind of comes back and then, and then the culture will be sort of set in stone and deadened in a sense with civilization. And we see that with Greeks to the Romans, Greeks were, you know, this period of, a, like an outgrowth of culture. And then it kind of was set in stone with the Romans where the Romans just sort of imported a lot of their own myth to, from the Greeks to, to Rome. And then he also kind of notes how. It's almost like the Renaissance in Europe then sort of got deadened into civilization with the Enlightenment period. And we're sort of in this decline now of uh, Western society, you know, that's going to go into some sort of new thing. But with each, you know, but if you look at history that way, I mean, each new sort of iteration, right, gets closer to something that's that's better in a sense. So you can look at it that way where it's like. Crime now actually is is a lot lower than it was back in in the Roman era. You know, like you don't necessarily have to worry about getting like your throat slit if you want to like go to Germany or something like that. Well, you know. people are less bored because <laughs> of the internet. This is also true. Yeah, and um, you know, you know, but things like that, like you can say that maybe in each cycle we get closer and closer to maybe a more ideal society, but then you can also bring in reversibility to that in which we'll never have an ideal society but that's a whole different philosopher um but um you know maybe ava is kind of um working off of a similar sort of wow some some absolute chad just went by me in a motorcycle um crap <laughs> but, but, <laughs> um, but anyway maybe, maybe South Park had Ava's, a word for people like that that we can't say on youtube <laughs> Oh, yeah. It starts, it starts with D, ends with Ooshbag. I don't know. <laughs> I, re- I remember that. Uh, I remember, that was a good episode. But um, no, but maybe Ava's kind of working off of this, right? Where the world of Ava is a cyclical world where in each cycle, it's getting closer and closer to the ideal, to utopia, you know? And uh, I think that they, you know, with uh, Karu coming out of all the coffins or whatever, like the whole, like, I don't, I don't know how many 
you know, we're before him or whatever. It impl- like it implies well, it's a, almost yeah. infinite. Yeah. Yeah. It implies it's almost infinite. Like the like you can it, you can get infinitely better with each sort of reset of this world. You know, Shinji's actions, which is the actions of humanity. Right. Get better and get more matured and we get closer to this ideal to this utopia and maybe with the rebuild three plus one maybe that's the the final one the final universe well it has to do with maturity too like it uh, like i keep bringing up otakus because that's like the main predecessors is also otaku because there's also like um like it's a, a lot of a lot of mecha shows i've noticed have to do with like puberty and growing up too especially post ava um most anime are like that because i mean yeah because it's a lot it's about a teenage protagonist like growing the fuck up but eva has to do with a lot of um like what what would a, a person who's 14 years old do with like the fact that they are you know the single person responsible for uh saving in the universe would they man the fuck up and be total anime protagonist or would they be like a little insecure bitch like a lot of teenagers are they're insecure and they can't handle like this kind of situation so um shinji getting the robot is one thing him clinging onto his crushes but not being able to express himself that's another thing everyone having to deal with their own shit but dealing with irl that's another thing people have to deal with maturity so literally like showing him literally growing up I feel like was a way way better way of ending Eva, and I I, I don't know, I thought it was a cute ending. I I really liked it. I really really liked it because he you get to see him be a literal man, and being happy. And isn't that what life is all about? Being a man, getting a big titty waifu, and uh, you know living big titty life. Big mommy you, GF. Yeah, who speaks French, and <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, isn't that what life really is about? And also, you get to see all like the pilots too. They get to have their own solidarity too, because they don't. You don't get to see them as adults, but you still see them as teenagers. But you get to see them as just living a normal life. And except I mean, for Oscar, yeah, she's like in the in the corner playing video games or something on her phone. <laughs> well, Oscar got her happy ending with with uh, Kinsuke, so that was like one of the big things. Was once her issues were resolved, Shinji just kind of let her go. And she went off to be with the guy that she loves, the first guy that really like sat down and, you know, had a conversation with her and, and patted her on the head, you know, acknowledged her existence. That was all Oscar really wanted. Yeah. I mean, isn't that all that we really want? <gasps> no. No. <laughs> well, I guess just me. Yeah, I just see you because you're a woman. Because I'm literally Asha. <laughs> She's literally me. Oh my god, yeah. literally me. Yeah. I relate to sh- Oh my god, I had to tell I, you a story. So we were um it was it was me, Necro, uh, Scratch Points. Well, I I say it was me, but I was watching it. But it was Scratch Points and Necro were on this podcast and they were talking about why Goblin Slayer was uh, you know, problematic or whatever. And they got this one bitch on there and he was advocating for uh they, they didn't have to show rape in Goblin Slayer. And they were like, okay, what? And then I got more into his psyche. And they're like, okay, you watch anime. Which which is your favorite anime character, right? To get to know this dude. And his, he was like, uh, I relate to Shinji. And then I started spamming oh. Soji. <laughs> okay, Soji. <laughs> yeah, I, I never said, wow, that guy is literally me when I watched 
Evangelion. They're, they're, but the fact that there weren't any characters that I related to probably means I have, you know, I'm a normal person. I thought you liked that one dude who's Masato's Kaji. boyfriend. Yeah. Kaji. I do like Kaji. Yeah. I, I mean, I do like Kaji. I'm not going to say he's literally me, but I'm like, oh, yeah, that seems you like. You said a, that several like, times. Come on. <laughs> he seems like a cool dude. No, you like you asked me if I was anyone from the show. I'd be like, I, I guess I, I would be Kaji because I'm not a fucking like. 14 year old boy with major insecurities. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not some like grown man who's trying to destroy the world just so that he can like be back. Get a crumb of fuck again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please, please, humanity die so I can get a crumb of pussy. <laughs> it's wild that uh what's his name kensuke was the one who basically told shinji to talk to his dad and that's pretty much what saved yeah. everything the fucking yeah. military otaku saved the world dude kensuke is like the ultimate fucking chat he ends up with asuka after everything he pretty much solves the entirety of evangelium he's like have you ever just thought about sitting down and just talking with your dad about shit and Shinji's like, I don't, wait, I don't what? necessarily know if like he's gonna be fucking her or if he's gonna be like a surrogate father figure. I have no clue. They're the same age. I know, but she doesn't have like a she doesn't like have a a, a normal like human's body. So I don't know. Well, it's kind of implied that with the dissolution with of the Evangelians, that everybody automatically grows goes the fuck to up. the correct age. Essentially. Yeah, because Shinji looks older and more mature. Mari, because well, yeah. um, with uh, with with Oscar's little flashback at the end, specifically with like her little doll that she had, um, like in the uh, in the original series, you know, Oscar saw herself as the doll because her mother was like, "Oh, you're gonna be like, you know, my perfect creation and shit," and then like kills herself. I think she yeah. tried to kill Asuka, too, at some point. I don't remember specifically. But um, in this in this one, the doll sort of represents like a a, a family person or like a, a parent that she never had. And since like Kensuke is in that doll, I always kind of like when I when I saw that, I saw that as like Kensuke is going to be like a, a father figure to him, especially with like the way that they were interacting together. Um, like, I don't know. I saw it as more like a father daughter sort of thing flam flam yeah. i gotta i gotta talk to you for a second here um spooky uh don't listen mm. the thing about the, th the thing about women uh -huh. is a lot of women will date men who they want yeah. to be their father figure yeah, yeah 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 i know i know i know i know i'm just saying that like yeah, I don't know. So that's, that's how I read. That's how I read into it. I didn't read into any uh, in, into any sexual thing from it. Well, the sexual stuff comes behind closed doors, you know. Yeah. But uh, there's some comes definitely daddy closed doors, huh? <laughs> <laughs> daddy, daddy issues are rampant in the uh, female species in the female community, and I would say that uh, Oscar has both daddy and mommy issues. Um. And uh, yeah, no, I think that they're together as like a relationship. I don't know how it would work where he's like her same age and basically just acts as her dad when she's a grown adult, like other than her being her husband or boyfriend or something like that. And just sort of maybe subliminally playing the part of the father figure. Go to while... your room. 
You sit in your corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No supper tonight. <laughs> Quit playing your goddamn video games. Go to bed. She does have a video game addiction. Yeah. She does. She had that in the original, too. Yeah. I wonder if she would buy the Steam Deck. Would she yeah, buy the she Steam Deck? She looks like she was into more retro games, honestly. I know, but you can get retro games on the Steam Deck. Because it's got the whole Steam library. You can play Quake. Yeah, you can play RetroArch on it. Yeah, you can, I mean, play uh, Deus Ex. That's the only game I would ever play. <laughs> Just get the Steam Deck. To I was play stuck Deus in a hellscape. If <laughs> <And> everyone <laughs> was gone, instrumentality took place, and uh, I was by myself. I just played. <laughs> yeah, it's if, my sex. <laughs> yeah, or I would just like reshape the world so that I could like hang out with JC Denton and make the world of Deus Ex real, which would just be <laughs> awful <laughs> because it's like just an awful world to live in. <laughs> but just to so make you, my fanboyisms come to life. Let me put on these nightmare <laughs> goggles. Oh my god, it's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although we're we're getting. You know, we're we're getting closer to the world of Deus Ex, although I think that the new games got it a little bit wrong, or they got it very wrong in one sense, in that I think that because you know in the new and like Mankind Divided, it's like, oh, if you're uh if 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 you're part robot, you know, if you if you have the brain chip implanted in you, then uh then you're discriminated against. I think it would be op I think it would be the opposite. That if you didn't get the government mandated brain implant whatever then you would be discriminated against uh, i think uh, that's how it would work uh, uh are you implying if we don't inject microchips <laughs> inside of us we'll get discriminated against uh, yes i am okay oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm only talking i'm only talking about transhumanism i'm only talking about cyborgs i'm not talking about anything else guys uh, <laughs> oh geez um <laughs> I'm just talking about a video game. Oh, geez, Rick, I need to get my trans uh, transhumanism card so I can go to my party later and interact with my friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, any other points of Eva? You know, we didn't talk about Blab. You haven't oh. talked much. No, Flames talks a lot. Kinda. You sleepy? You know what? You know what? The end of Ava Two was awesome. That was badass. That was like probably the best fight in all of the Ava series, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. That was awesome. Where he just like becomes this angel, you know, like he unbinds and everything like that. And they set it up pretty well in that in that movie with Mari sort of activating beast mode. And, you know, <laughs> so it didn't feel like, oh, this came out of nowhere. Early on in the film, they they imply that the Avas are, you, you know what I mean? Like, of course, like if you watch the original show, you, you know that. But, you know, you still have to assume with the movie that people haven't seen the television show. Yeah, they're and just so, robots and not these weird alien creatures. With the Avas? Yeah. No, no, no. Like, yeah, you have to assume that's what they think. Uh-huh. You know? Um. So, yeah, so it was interesting, you know, so they set it up really well um, for that final fight where he kind of, act, you know, goes beast mode on the on the dude. Um, and then that's almost brought to like a new level in three plus one when Asuka 
becomes an angel and sort of fuses with her Ava. I I, I did like that an, scene. Yeah. She, she becomes an angel in the process. How did she become Well no, I she was already part angels. She kind of got infected during the during the the fight cuz they sort of switched it out for yeah. uh Toji and um like that eye patch like her eye isn't missing her eye is her eye patch is just um hiding like whatever is sealing her being an angel from taking over but it's sort of like already taking over because she's like she doesn't have to sleep she uh doesn't have to eat she only has to drink water um and she's like really pissed off about yeah. that yeah she never eats or sleeps yeah that's right she's just sort of slowly becoming an angel and she sort of just like lets it all run rampant you know um near the end to yeah. to help save the day but i did like in three plus one how it deals it it felt like it came like the ending of that was maybe came from a more mature perspective than the ending of end of ava because in three plus one it deals with the relationship between shinji and his father being kind of the crux of everything that's happening rather than um, internalized Shinji with himself, and which was kind of the end of Ava was, you know. He's more like his dad that he knows. He's also a huge incel, gung-ho to destroy the world and humans in general, just to get a crumb of laid. Start with Shinji. Yeah, well, you know, he kind of finds out that he's not that different than his dad. Um, but you also get more motivation mm -hmm. behind the dad, and it makes the dad less of a monster. Um. You know, and yeah. I think that it, it does a pretty good job of humanizing his dad amidst this this entire sort of uh, fiasco that's that's happening. And uh, yeah, no, I liked I really liked that, how it went from like in the Veda where it's like it's, you know, it's Shinji going like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do anything, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's all internal, whereas um three plus one is more about his relationships to other people and has a more grown-up mm -hmm. feeling to it well like gynax has a really interesting history of like the way it views its fans and anime and anime in general there's um there's a there's a like one of my favorite pieces of animation is called me 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 and kino should totally watch it if you haven't i i don't think you have but me 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 is essentially it's a loop, but it's also a music video about how um, anime and otaku culture has just really destroyed this man's life. And it's made, it, obviously, it's made by the same people who made Eva, and there's direct references to Eva, too. And it's, it's way more of a literal um, representation of Eva. And I think it was made right after the first rebuild was made. I think it was made right shortly right after. So it starts off with the dude looking at all of his junk he's collected. Um, unfinished models, smoking. He's just laying there depressed. And you get into a psyche of like cum and anime tits and porn and all the coomer posting and how it gets him with this dopamine rush. And then it slowly starts getting darker and darker. And it's revealed that he actually had a girlfriend before he became a total fucking degenerate and he left her to nice. be a degenerate. And, and it's really him fighting against like his like will to coom. And to have a girlfriend, the will, the and will live to like coom sounds life. like something 
out of a Friedrich Nietzsche book. Like he has the will to <laughs> the will to power, you know, that's that's Nietzsche's big, big thing, the will to power. And I think that the, the trend, you know, that to go along with that is the will to coom. Met. <laughs> and well, it, it, that's the thing is like it, it starts with his internal battle. It's a really cool piece of animation. I, I really love it. Um, and it ends exactly how it starts. So it ends him laying in this bed, being depressed. And starting over again, and it's it's very uh it's very that it's very okay. Otaku's you could just continue being like depressed and coomers and like we've talked about this several times in the anime yeah. boomer talk, especially with um with uh Cody in particular, who's very and in, uh, interested in this part of anime dumb where it's like degeneracy is run rapid and it several studios like it ran rapid and the uh, Japan in particular. And it's just anime studios trying to tell literal otakus, like, take responsibility for yourself and quit being fucking depressed all the time and making up excuses and several art pieces. And now it's like it's slowly taking over, <laughs> like, the West, too. Well, I say slowly, but it's rampant where, you know, we're talking about smug anime Twitter, you know, those smug anime profile pics. Well, they'll own the blue check marks on Twitter and be depressed and, like, be like, that Phil with no girlfriend. So it's Eva's very much a. It's it it's also a part of that too, where it's commentary yeah. over um otaku culture. Even that was even rubbing running rapid in like the nineties, because yeah. that's when this was first. You know, place I'm gonna just 90s. expand on one thing I said earlier, and then I think that'll be that'll be all for what I really have to say about Eva unless, you know, I mean a lot of stuff is probably escaping me right now. But um the the cyclical nature of it, thinking of the rebuild is almost like being the cycle that comes after the cycle in which the show and end of Ava take place in, you know, and I guess sort of mm -hmm. like the uh, Strauss, how generational theory, the fourth turning and all. Yeah. That well, stuff. but th this is, but I'm also thinking of it like this, right? There's this cyclical nature to the entire show. Whereas these are like the big cycles, like almost like the universe cycles, right? Um, where this, this universe goes through this cycle, the universe dies, it's recreated, right? And then this same thing kind of happens, right? And it gets to this point of the end of the world again, and you know, and it's left up to this decision and whatever, and how we see in the rebuild, it has a different ending to what happens in, in the show and all that kind of stuff, right? But even within the show, it's it's very cyclical. You'll see a lot of the same animations, a lot of the same shots, you know, Ms. Otto drinking her beer in the morning and smiling and you know that kind of thing and, and you think about it too it's a it's a running theme in the show it's a running theme in the in the movies where the angel comes down and it's it's a very cyclical thing in the sense of like each time there's this new angel fight but shinji and the others get better at fighting like they they better they mature themselves they learn how to work together it's like with each progression each new monster that's coming down and you can see it as a monster of the week or you know but maybe that's also kind of indicative of these cycles right with each one they they kind of get better they're they're more tested they're um you know like maybe it's harder or whatever but um maybe there's more destruction like there's you know or something like that but they get better within themselves you know and they uh, they mature more with each iteration and you know there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that's kind of cyclical within the show and within the um within the movies 
um, using a lot of the same shots, kind of showing the day-to-day thing. And we live sort of cyclical lives, you know, when really you do. Like, you know, you kind of do the same thing on most days. You know, you wake up, you go to work, you come home, you make dinner, you go to sleep, you know, and it's like, but Wake up, coom, <laughs> depressed, coom What's some more, take a nap, uh, play video BTFO games. BTFO blue check What's marks on Twitter. What? What's his name's <laughs> wife was even like directly saying that in the film to oh, Ray. Yeah. yeah, I think she was. Yeah. I, I watched it like earlier this week, so it's a little bit out of my memory. But um, yeah, you know, it's like you leave these kind, lead these kind of cyclical lives. And the idea, though, behind life in general, is that you're going to grow as a person through this kind of cyclical nature of life. You know, maybe small things, not each day is the same, but each day is very similar. And maybe with something that happens in each day, you become better and you become a better and better person. And in the same way that maybe the universe uh, is almost like a person in that sense, you know, within this world, right? Where it's going through cycle, cycle, and cycle. And we see that with Karu, you know, like what iteration of Karu is this? Um, And it's not the same each day, but it's a little bit, it's similar, but different. And maybe it's the ending gets happier and happier each time. Taking the ultimate ultimate white pill. You know, and it's and it just works. I think I, I don't think that it's a uh, I don't think it's a you know coincidence that the uh, poster for Evangelion three plus one is very white because Anno probably knows about what the white pill. White is the best <laughs> color. White white super. Oh wait, hold on. <laughs> anyway, so I feel like the best way of ending this podcast would be the ultimate question: boys and girls. What is, who is best girl? Gator should go first. Oh, you want me to go first? Uh, See, this plays in, I have an explanation for this. This plays into my theory about the cops. About three, (laughs) about, about all three of the Evangelion movies represent a different part of growing up. The original series represented childhood. Because at the very end, you see, you know, the congratulations, you did it. Wow, really good job. And that's kind of something that you expect in childhood, right? You, you expect to be acknowledged and congratulated because you made what you thought were all the right decisions and everybody's like super happy for you. And then you have End of Evangelion and Death and Rebirth, which represent adolescence with the, the angst and the, oh, I don't know. Oh, my God. Oh, what? You know, that, that sort of thing. And Shinji still doesn't really make the right decision at the end. But then you have the Rebuild movies, which represents growing into adulthood and becoming your own person and being, you know, becoming the person that you're meant to be and having responsibility and acknowledging your mistakes and owning up for your actions. And that's ultimately what allows Shinji to cross the threshold and become a self-actualized person is that he acknowledges the mistakes of his past. He acknowledges that he has to make decisions for himself. And he also has to let go of the baggage of the past that was holding him in that cycle of rebirth, that cycle of the what essentially the curse of Ava is that you're bound into this cycle forever. And, you know, 
who Shinji is interested in changes depending on that cycle. In the original cycle, I think you could argue that he was more interested in Rey. Because it's the mother. In the Right, because because you're a, you know when you're a child, you know, because you're he's attached a to your mother. I get it. Chris Chan really like, likes like, right, like Chris Chan. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we know we know what Chris's favorite wife was. Chris picks Ray. So this is the first series. Shinji is obsessed with Ray. In the second, in the second, quote unquote, second series, which includes End of Evangelion, it's about Asuka. Because she's a challenge to him. She represents, you know, the Sundare. She's the unobtainable that he wants to obtain. And then when he becomes an adult, when Shinji becomes an adult, it's Mari. Because she's a well-rounded person. You know, she has big boobs. That That's always a positive. <laughs> I think the ultimate waifu of the series, and this is the message that Hidekiano is trying to convey, it has to be Mari. And it has to be Mari because Hidekiano is telling you, hey, look, I know you guys have fought for like 20 freaking years over this Rey and Asuka shit, but those should not be the types of women that you should go after. I mean, I like Sundarays. That, that, that's, a, that's a weakness. It's a flaw of mine. But you should not be idolizing these characters. You should not be like going after women that are similar to these characters. Because that represents adolescence, that represents childhood, you're being a child. You should go after someone more like Mari, because you should be an adult. You should grow beyond your childish bullshit. And that's one of the, the biggest messages, I think, that Anno is trying to get across in the Rebuild movies is, hey, you've got to let this shit go. This is why he kills off all of the Ava units, even the ones that didn't even appear in the Rebuild movies that were from the original series, because he's like, okay, Ava is dead now. I have ended it. Everyone needs to move on. You need to grow the fuck up. And so I feel like for all of the messaging and everything, like the message he's trying to get across, Mari is the ultimate waifu. And plus, she has big boobs. I mean, that, that's hard to argue against. <laughs> big boobs yeah, supremacy. That's a, that's a pretty good supremacy. argument, but uh, Asuka. I patch, I patch Asuka. <laughs> Space pirate Asuka. Space pirate Asuka. That was, I don't know, like, it for me, it was Mazato for, I was definitely a Mazato enjoyer for a while, and then, uh, and then Space Misato enthusiast. Uh, yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, uh, but I don't know, like, she kind of got not sexy in the rebuilds with her wearing all that, you know, stuff. Uh, just, you know, really not showing her. Being a, being a uniform, like being an actual leader. I was like, yeah, you're not sexy anymore. Bye-bye. Um, but you have space pirate Asuka wearing an eye patch and having, you know, like that, that alien eye or whatever was pretty cool you know so i was like wow but i don't know with with mari like no i totally understand the whole thing about mari too like man how would a actual relationship with asuka be like <laughs> probably end in disaster to be honest stupid end up with your balls and your asshole <laughs> like and your like, asshole yeah, and your if, balls. If I was Shinji yeah. and I had to pick between like, oh, who do I want to get into a long-term relationship with? Yeah, I would probably pick Mari. She seems a lot nicer and to actually like, like she actually likes him. 
actually yeah, emotionally yeah, exactly. stable. <laughs> <laughs> Mari, also known as Scuff02. I can't be the only one that noticed the, the similarities in personality between her and Zero Two from yeah. Darling and the Franks, am I? I mean, they clearly know what, they both know what sex is, okay? Well, and they both Obviously. know what they want, and what they want <clears throat> is that guy that smells. His main character penis, yeah. <laughs> that guy that smells a certain way. But, you know, they gotta, they gotta taste him. Oh, stinky. Oh, I mean, I wish. Yeah. Wow, you smell like me. LCL. <laughs> yummy, yummy. Like, is LCL like amniotic um, fluid or something like that? I mean. It, it's supposed to symbolize, like, orgasm feeling. Is it? I thought it was. I think I, so. No, I think it's like, I think it's like primordial yeah. soup. It's like basic building <laughs> blocks of life sort of shit. Because it's like, they harvest it from the, uh, the the Lilla or Lilith that they have like uh, crucified in terminal dogma. Uh, I, I kind of assume that because like everybody at the end sees someone that they want to be either in a deep emotional relationship with at the end, or if they don't want to be in a relationship, they just see Ray, PBS Ray's trying to kill them. And so that's why they like, um, uh, that's why everyone hugs and gets like, says goodbye to the person they love the most. And they end well, up kissing them. Kind of. So, like, um, the reason why people turn into LCL is because um, humanity's AT field as the uh, as, as the the final angel is like individual intelligence. And when when like confronted with a uh, a loved one, people will basically like lose their ego and uh, dissolve like they do in the uh, in the films. Oh, so they go through an ego death like they're on LSD. Uh, essentially, yeah, I would say I would say that's probably uh, so they're tripping balls at the end and then they turn into goo. Yeah, I mean, like they die. Well, they they kind of die because it's implied that they can like come back if they like really want to. But because uh, I think that's what was going on with uh, some of the characters like uh, um, Gendo's second in command. Like once he once he got to like where, you know, he was needed up up until the point he just sort of like let go and then just became a uh, goo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so who is best girl to you, Flam? Um, for the films? Uh, I would say... No, at I, all, of all of Ava, at any story um, I honestly can't really tell. Um, there's merits for some of them. Um, the f- who would you want to put your pee-pee in the, the last, Come on. The last <laughs> film, the last film really, really wanted to push Mari shit, which, uh, I can understand. It is kind of weird that, like... Um, Shinji hooked up with like a fifty-year-old. That's a little weird, but um, Mommy other than GF. that, like, <laughs> uh, other hey, they than look that, the same um, age, huh? I say they look the same age, though. Like she's kind of stuck. Uh, yeah, but like Ava pilots don't age. Well, I mean, they literally grew up, though. So right, but well, they they technically grew with, up she together. She was friends with uh, she aged. was friends with uh, Shinji's mom and dad in college, so. Right. But then they, well, then she gets older, though, right? They both do. They grow uh, older. Yeah, like physically, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I think that's what the film was implying, so that was kind of cool. But um, 
it's a little weird because Shinji only has like one interaction with or two interactions with her throughout the entirety of the films. Well, I, that makes sense. They end up together because they're the they're the only ones that remember what the life was like before. Right. So they kind of have the shared trauma of remembering the horrifying the, the horror that was the previous world and all the um, impacts and remembering and a Eva's. world with Evangelions. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, they're the only people that could, like, remember and, like, talk to without sounding crazy. So it kind of makes sense if you share a past trauma, a shared life with somebody that you kind of that would be the only person you could relate to and talk to and, you know, grow with in a way. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I took it, because, I mean, obviously, they would be the only people that were because he re, he literally rebuilt the world so humans can come back and live like normal, like nothing happened. And he erased, he erased Eva's from ever happening so that no one knows what Eva's are. They just live like normal. And um, him and uh, Mari were the only people that truly remember and lived that kind of experience. So that's how I took the it. The flame didn't answer the question. <laughs> Yeah, who would you want to put your pee pee in the most? Come on, get to it. Um, I'll go with the. Uh, I'll go with Yui. Shinji's mom. Yeah, Shinji's mom was pretty. Was, uh, mom. I, that was really sweet of her at the end because she like sacrificed herself with her, with uh, with her husband to give Shinji a chance. That was uh, that was a, a pretty good little send off considering. Uh, you know, and the end of the end of the original films, UA is like all pissed off that Gendo betrayed her. So now so, that they're all happy. So that's that that was sweet. So you're Shinji's saying Shinji's mom, mom has mom got it going on. Yes! <laughs> I was oh man, that's the same thing. <laughs> She's We've been doing too many mom. podcasts together. <laughs> Look, I don't know who's corrupting who. think alike, okay? <laughs> Um, also, boomers too. So, Coomer boomers. Of course, we're going to think boomers. of that song. <laughs> um, for me, the the true answer is not who is the best girl, but the best person, and obviously it's Karu because he's the only one who ever truly loved Shinji. And you know what? I think Shinji could have been a girl at one point. I kind of think that Shinji was written to be a girl at one point. So, actually, canonically, in my head canon, Shinji's a girl. In that past life, and Karu is the best boyfriend. So there you go. Well, but yeah. Shinji's not a girl, so you're taking the the spirit. You're literally the making option, a fan I fiction see, for best you're, girl. You're writing fan fiction right now. Uh, uh, I think Karu's best girl, but as far as like the actual More girls like go, spooky Fujo shit. <laughs> oh man, I can't help it. He's a cute boy. Spooky um, Fujo trash. Yeah, for real. Oh damn. I do take baths though, so that separates me from. You're not a stinky. I'm a, I, I work in Hollywood. Yeah. I don't take baths. You're a spooky Fujoshi. Hey, hey. <laughs> okay, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, did you know that taking baths is actually bad for you? Dude, I feel like. Okay, listen, listen. I feel like I started that trend on Twitter where everyone was like making fun of people who don't bathe, like Hollywood elites, because. I just I remembered it all of a sudden because um, I worked with somebody who was telling me, yeah, people from Hollywood, they stink. They're gross. They're icky. They're like, oh, yeah, Jessica Simpson doesn't brush her teeth. Um, people don't wear deodorant. Like I was like, oh, what? And then I just Googled celebs that don't wear deodorant. And I got a comprehensive list yeah. from Google. 
and I posted it on Twitter and I posted each person. And then all of a sudden I see like the next couple of days, people complaining about how bad celebrities stink. And I was like, yes, I started that. <laughs> um, as far as like the actual canon girls, though, um, I really, I don't know. I like Masato. She's pretty good. She's very uh, motherly. She's complicated. She's like fun loving. Um, she obviously has a cute pin, 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 penguin. That's a, that's a plus. And I, I don't know, like people say, like, ask if Masato's best girl, but she acts more like a stepmom in the anime in particular, because she's housing like the um, the pilots, right? She even houses uh, Karu, I believe, too. So like she's acting kind of almost like a surrogate mother to everyone. But she's like kind of like a cool older stepsister, too. Like, oh, come on, I drink beer and I like cool shit. <laughs> Radical. Um, she's got a very complicated taste in men. Can relate. <clears throat> So yeah, I don't know. I like Masato, but my my favorite character though is uh, Karu. So he's actually the best. That's just your Fujo side coming out. You I can't like, help it. I like, like cute anime boys. Come it's on. It's like taking Kaoru and Shinji, and you're just slowly putting their heads closer together. You're like now kiss. Now kiss. I will say there. Um, I don't know. I don't really like a lot of yaoi or romance anime because I kind of find it really terribly written and cringe. But um, I like I like Karu's and Shinji's relationship because it's complicated and it's not like it's not like full on crush. It's a lot more nuanced than that. And I, I like that. I think the best depiction of male relationships with another male is uh, Jonathan Joestar and Robert E.O. Speedwagon. Speedwagon <laughs> is best girl of, of Jojo all time forever. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, it's pretty obvious that the manga is really like flaming homosexual, right? So he obviously he likes his muscle man and his uh, European fashion. So uh, it was cool that they did like a whole campaign with Gucci, though. That's a campaign that happened. My favorite homosexual so. relationship in media was um, all the different homosexual relationships in the William Friedkin movie Cruising. I've never heard of that. What? Never heard, no, of, never heard of it. Um, all right. Well, I uh -huh. guess maybe we can end the podcast on me describing cruising. Uh, it's about Al Pacino plays as an undercover detective who goes into BDSM gay sex clubs to uh, find a serial killer and has tons and tons of gay sex. The whole <laughs> movie is just gay leather sex. So um, and then a little bit and then a little bit of murder mystery at the end. It was like. <laughs> so it was literally just a fetish novel is what you're saying yeah a fetish it's movie. just him walking around these these cruising places with all these gay men and you know just ramming each other while wearing leather and then it's like at the end oh yeah there's a serial killer i'm supposed to be finding or something <laughs> it sounds like um no you know what it sounds like it sounds like this um this yaoi anime or this oh, yaoi no. game you know what it is right <laughs> nope Fuck, what's it called? It's called Murder Something. Um, do you know Gator? Off the top of, off the top of your head. I do called... not, actually. Fuck, what's it called? I've got to look it up. But it's about, uh, you know, this murder that happens, and uh, a lot of gay sex just happens to happen. A lot, the main character gets raped, I believe, too. Uh, murder gay anime. Is that blue <laughs> hair boy? Dramatical murder. Dramatical murder. So... Uh, yeah, so it's 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 also similar to that where it's like the only this game drama. I played that's similar to that is uh, Corpse Party. Corpse Party is depressing. 
It is care. really fucking depressing. I, do, I don't like Corpse Party. It just makes me sad. Um, <laughs> Only reason anyway. I played it is because of PewDiePie. I watched um, that one guy who got added as a pedo play it. And yeah, what's his name? It's like it was PewDiePie's friend. Be... Oh, um, he's got a nice uh, voice. Was it uh, Cry? Cryotic or whatever? <laughs> yeah, Cryotic. Yeah, that dude. <laughs> It turns out he's a pedo and a fat retard. Oh, oops, can't say that. Um. <laughs> no, I, I think but you yeah. can say retard. I say it on yeah, monkeys is a kino. Uh, pretty much every episode. Try to be mindful of that. You're just not allowed to say it on yeah. Twitter. Yeah, oh, if you yeah. say it on Twitter, you get auto-yeeted, which I have found out in the past. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> you no can't say it allowed. twice in one tweet. I got locked out for 12 hours. Because I said retard twice. Yeah, that's yeah. what happened to me. Anyway, anything else we like to say for tonight, boys? <laughs> Hot. <laughs> anyway. I'm definitely keeping that in. I'm keeping that moment in there. I'm not clipping that. Out. I had to pee pee. Oh. I got to uh, make the wheels. Uh, but yeah. Closing I don't think there's statement a skater. Yeah, I don't think there's a better way to end it than than that. Um, I want to thank <laughs> Kino Corner and Flamenco for joining us to discuss. The end, the true end of Evangelion in the rebuild movies. Uh, Kino Corner is youtube.com slash the Kino Corner. What are you working on right now? Is there any big projects or anything you want to talk uh, yeah. about? Yeah, um, I'm working on two videos right now. Uh, well, I've always got a whole bunch of videos that I'm having different stages of production. But right now I'm finishing up a video on Elon Klimov's film Come and See. I just recorded all this stuff for that. So hopefully that'll be coming out next week. And I'm also writing another video about the movie Falling Down, which stars Michael Douglas. And I'm currently I can't give any specifics about this, but I'm currently editing a big documentary for The Gamer from Mars at the moment as well. Yeah. All right. Definitely check that out when it hops up on YouTube. And of course, I want to absolutely thank Flamenco. He's YouTube.com slash Flamenco TV pseudo intellectual Saturday stream every Saturday. I believe that's 3 p.m. Eastern. Not every Saturday, but yeah, but sometimes most of uh, whenever I like whenever Lindsay Ellis opens her fat mouth, whenever I'm not feeling exhausted. <laughs> Ugh, school is exhausting. Oh, I know that. I woke up this morning at like six in the morning to get in some very quick cram session time before my 8 a.m. test. And if I didn't take that two hour nap before recording this episode, I would be dead right now. Absolutely dead. So I, I know I know how you feel, bud. I know how you feel. And I would be remiss if I didn't shout out my co-host on the Anime Boomer podcast, Spooky Weeb Trash. Take it away, Spooky. Oh, anyway, <laughs> youtube.com slash spooky weeb trash. Thanks, spooky. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can find uh, my friend Spooky Web Trash when she's not being canceled on Twitter. Uh, that's twitter.com slash. Oh, yeah, hold on. No, it's at spooky web trash. Sorry. It's S P O K Y W E E T R A S H. And on Twitter now, so. I'm the Falling Kino Corner 3.0 plus 1.0, thrice upon a sallow. <laughs> and I'm Spooky Evan Smellian trash on <laughs> you know that's something i i do want to highlight here because i also have a new twitter it's a twitter.com slash gator time 
all four of us have been like put under the boot by Jack so many times now. Because it's so easy to do. You just you just tell people how you feel and you get fucking. I just say retard twice guess, and then boom. I call someone I call someone uh artard um my, the F slur. My my my, fa- oh. my favorite of <laughs> one of my friends getting getting yeeted off of Twitter was Linad. Um and what happened was it was when Donald Trump got uh, suspended, permanently suspended off of Twitter. And he made his, you know, his whole profile to look like Donald Trump's profile. And and uh, then what happened is he got locked out of his account because pro Jared said some, you know, had some uh, some dumbass retard tweet saying how. Oh, he's so glad Donald Trump is off of Twitter. And then Linad uh, replied to him with pro Jared's dick pics as Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then what happens? He got. He's got the then, weakest dick pics. And then, They're fucking terrible. Did not fap. They, they were awful. They were the worst dick pics I've ever seen. And then he got immediately <laughs> locked for 12 hours. And then what happened was. Twitter started suspending all the accounts that had Donald Trump as their profile. <laughs> so he couldn't go back in and redo it. He was locked out. He couldn't change any of his accounts. So he had to just watch and like basically see the clock ticking down to when he was going to get suspended. And he did. Uh, rip, rip Trump as our greatest yeah. shit poster. Our shit poster in chief. Yeah, now it's yeah. the Taliban doing the shit posting. I mean, that just shows you who won the election. <laughs> This is the world we live in. (laughs) Anyway. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to this podcast. You can find us, animeboomers.live. Take you directly to anchor.fm slash animeboomers. You can also go to gatortime.live. That'll take you directly to the YouTube channel or youtube.com slash thegatorgamer. Of course, follow me on Twitter, my new new official Gatortime media Twitter account, which is twitter.com slash gatortime. You know, unfortunately, had to make a new one of those. You know how that goes. But you guys can also find us, patreon.com slash thegatorgamer. And you can also sign up for YouTube memberships. They're, I think, like a cent cheaper on YouTube because of the way YouTube, like, forces you to use only certain things. You can't enter it in manually. But if you go on there and you want to listen to these live, which I think one person actually did sign up to listen to this live. So shout out to Guns Guns Down and Hail for doing that. Uh, you will actually be able to listen to these as we're recording them with all of our mistakes and like coughs and sneezes and things that don't get cut out of the podcast. The end slurs, we say. <laughs> right, right. All of the, the terrible, offensive slurs that we clip out before we re-upload these episodes to YouTube. I think that's it. I have it like in the $10 tier or whatever. But if you want to you know, listen to it live, you can go there and do that on Patreon or on the YouTube memberships. Also, we're going to start releasing bonus content. And like maybe like some quick things, maybe like, you know, 15, 30 minutes here or there talking about like certain breaking issues or just like having a chat with each other. And eventually when we get enough patrons and YouTube members, we're going to have like members nights where maybe we'll like sit in the discord and like watch an anime together or just like sit, sit around and chit chat or talk about shows that you're interested in and, and just kind of like ask us questions and shit. So, you know, we're trying to build this into a, a weeb I know, you know, some some friends of ours don't like the word community, but I'll use it here. You know, like a weeb anime boomer community or we positive can drink community. 
positive community where we can positive. drink monster energy, drink monster energy and complain about how anime used to be good back in the days and all the anime nowadays is not as good as it was. But I want to thank I mean, everybody for tuning in. Well, you're going to say something spooky? I said, I mean, yeah, facts. So just agreeing. <laughs> <laughs> just, just agreeing. All right. Yeah. This has been the longest outro in the history of outros. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening to the show. And as always, we'll see you next time.